just picking up where the Spirit was just now. The New Testament Sabbath is a seven day a week rest from works of self justification. The New Testament Sabbath is a person, not a day. Jesus is the Lord of the Sabbath. And the word says, do not let anyone criticize you in the keeping of Sabbaths because we have an eternal Sabbath resting in the work of Jesus. So what did the Lord say to us last week? Through his drain pipe. Who said that? Dance. Perichoresis are coming to that. Dance. The the perichoresis, the dance roundabout. This is the name that some understood the Trinity about. As the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, as Costa emphasized, were caught up in the rapture of this cosmic dance, which is reflected in the structure of the universe with the galaxies dancing round and round and round. It's a picture of the perichoresis the dance roundabout into which we are drawn in the spirit. The upward dance. I mean, here's Jane's picture. The upward flow. Again, drawn up into the dance. Up, up, up. And then out, out, out. Come go, which is Alan's theme song these days. So what I heard the Lord say was Bernie's letter to God when he got up in the morning. Dear God, count me in. Love Bernie. May we write that letter to God as we get out of here. Dear God, count me in. Love me. Count me in. You see, as we were taught, God is not a divine Jeeves. He's not a divine waiter. He's not here waiting for instructions from us. He's asking us to be caught up in the dynamic of the eternal purposes of God. We're drawn into the story, which is, above all, a love dance, where the Trinity, which is wrapped up in itself, draws us into itself and then throws us out in the come-go story of commission. And then Costa showed us that in the New Testament, the believers received life at the resurrection. And Jesus came to the upper room and he breathed on them and said, receive the Spirit. That was regeneration. That was eternal life. That's when the church was born. 
On the day of resurrection, the first begotten from the dead being Jesus. And on Pentecost, the church was clothed. It is normal to clothe a child after it is born. Though sometimes in Scripture, they happened almost simultaneously. So at resurrection, the church is born. And at Pentecost, the church is empowered and commissioned and released. And, and Costa was at pains to say, being filled with the Spirit is not a top-up. Uh, like you top up your tank and you go to the... That's not what the filling of the Holy Spirit. He says, it's being overwhelmed. It's being drowned in God. It, it's a total takeover. It's an interruption and it is a disruption. And then he warned us about the problem of manifestations which can be bizarre. And he, and he emphasized that when there are bizarre manifestations of the moving of the Spirit, they're not of any significance. It does not mean these people are more holy or more spiritual or more anointed than anyone else. It's their personal response to the impact of the Spirit upon them, and they may laugh or cry or tremble or roll around or flip around or, or hop around or squawk like geese, whatever it might be. Uh, that's not, that's fine. But it, it, it does not represent a higher level of spirituality or encounter with the Lord. Because you can be overwhelmed and drowned by the Spirit without any of that sort of response. I, I, I myself am aware of, of trembling and stuff like that, but uh, it's, it's not significant. And, and then we were told that to be filled with the Spirit, and, he, and, and Costa described two types of Christians, those who are filled with the Spirit, but the water is stagnant. They've got that eternal life, but it's, it's not going anywhere. And the scripture talks about living fountains of water, rivers of grace. And being overwhelmed by the Spirit, it's a come, go, come, go, come, go. I, I mean, uh, we saw some of that happening just now. It's pouring out. <laughs> And then what was the essence of, of the Lord's message to us was that we have to look like Jesus. And I'm a, a great friend of Winnie the Pooh uh, with his head in his beer pot and he's a bear of very little brain. And I identify with him because it took me quite a long time to twig what Costa was saying. I thought when he said we have to look like Jesus, we had to appear like him. And he was saying, no, we have to look and see what he sees. We have to look through his eyes. Uh, uh, look through his perspective, through his lens. And, and we had pictures of different lenses. 
And, that, and in the Spirit, we're called to know no one after the flesh, after the natural vision. But in the revelation of the Spirit, we are a glorious people. And that different perspective, that overriding, transforming, disrupting worldview, which is now a kingdom view, because the Bible, beloved, is God's worldview, which, uh, which helps me a lot because it doesn't make any sense to me. But when I see, will it make sense to God? Well, that's fine. So the life of faith is one of trust. And Costa emphasizes it again and again. The operation of the gift of the Spirit and the ministry and the go can only function on the basis of relationship. They're not scalps. They're not notches on the belt. They're not how many have you led to the Lord. They are beloved of the Lord. And and, uh, so he, he would say, if you don't love them, don't pray for them. And it's the love of God that is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. And uh, the, the moving of the Spirit upon us is not a threat. It's a disruption. It's a, it's a new uh, surrender my agenda to his agenda. But it's not a threat. It's not a threat to our household. It doesn't mean bad news for the family. It's good news. Stop worrying about money. We've got a transferred perspective. When we look like Jesus, we see the world in a different perspective. We see a kingdom coming. We have no reason to be afraid because we're filled with hope. As the Spirit was reminding us in our pre-service prayer and perhaps one of the most important things we were reminded of that Jesus was a man he did not surrender his deity but he functioned only in his humanity and he had his feet on the ground but he has his ear towards God Perhaps we could put John 5.20 up for that. He says, as I hear, I speak. Jesus did nothing on his own initiative. And it was in his humanity that he functioned. And we discover that the only difference between Jesus and us in our humanity was that he was without sin. So Jesus functioned as a man anointed by the Spirit. And that's how we are, because we are humans anointed by the Spirit. Which is why he can say, as we shall see later, as the Father has sent me, so send I you. So we can't say, oh, well, he was God. Yes, he was God. And his deity was never uh, questioned. But he laid it aside. We're told in in Philippians 2, he laid it aside and moved on our terms. (laughs) Which is why (laughs) we can do it. So the attributes of God expressed through human person is not manipulation, it's not contrived, it's not wound up, 
It's not a technique. It's not mechanical. It's not <coughs> three steps this way and stand on your head and turn around and eat some cheese. It's not a technique. It's not a formula. It's, it's not about this way and it's the right way and the wrong way. Nothing to do with that. It's like the wind. You cannot tell. I mean, there's wonderful stories in the Pentecostal movement. How, how ministers, I mean, Henry Duncan, you remember, when, when they tried to get him to speak in tongues, they said, he said, they nearly broke my neck. <laughs> Twisted me and thumped me and... I don't need to do that. <coughs> so we were introduced to... Uh, <coughs> excuse me, to... Um, there's some bullets here, I think, very much. To the two worldviews of the kingdom of heaven, excuse me, the world of the spirit, the invisible world, the eternal world, and the, the world. So we've got the, the, the two dimensions, the two realities. Eternal, temporal, visible, invisible, rational, intuitive, world and spirit. And, and Jesus came to connect the two. And he, was, he, he moved as a human being, listening to the Father, which is what we can do, with our feet on the ground. And then, as we've already touched on, he emphasized the Trinitarian dimension of the Godhead, which is a, a relation of passionate, blown-away love in the Caresis dance, which is expressed in the galaxies. What is the Caresis dance? Study the Milky Way. We're moving at this moment at enormous speed on a space capsule. And Costa would say, there's a trinity caught up in a passionate love within it, the triune God. And we're caught into it, and whoosh, we become drains. And he said, there are no badges, there's no esteem, there's no hierarchy, there's no pecking order. We have, as we've heard, we, we've heard a drain. We've had some drains here today. You know, what are you? I'm a drain. I'm a drain pipe, a down pipe. And then he got cost of doing this. You receive to give away. You don't hold on to it, otherwise you block the drain. So when Jesus moved, he lived as a man. 30-odd years as a carpenter or the carpenter's son. And he didn't say or do anything in terms of the kingdom. But only when he went to meet John the Baptist at the river and the Spirit came. So between his birth and the receiving of the Spirit were 30-odd years. That's why the disciples and he said, wait, 10 days. I was born again in the Spirit in 1964 in 1967, I was baptized in the Holy Spirit. Incidentally, through 
was in London, but was in the ministry of someone called David Duplessis, who was <coughs> South African. The, the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Spirit. And, and, and so we were told that the link between this spiritual realm, the eternal reality, the real reality, and this temporal facade of, of the scientific, empirical, measurable, sight, sense, and touch world, the link between the two, and God has come to link us back together again, because the, it was fractured at the fall, so he's come and put, God has come and put his foot on the earth, but his son is in touch with the Father. And uh, the, the link between the two is the gift of the Holy Spirit. And that's why he, he spent some time unfolding the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the manifestation, the energies, the action of the Holy Spirit, which causes people to come forward and take us through Isaiah 58. And it causes young people to summon the family and to talk about fudge. That bit interested me. I must get some books. <laughs> All right. And, and so we were reminded of the, the, the three categories of the gift of the Spirit. There was revelation, and, and then there was utterance, and, and then there was power. So uh, some people see it as revelation, utterance, action, thoughts, words, and works. Insight, utterance, and power. I wasn't to wonder, and faith is, there's a power faith, a saving faith, is faith to live by, and there's power faith. And, and some of you may remember the story of, of the king's kid, the Arminian. Do, do you remember? Uh, and this, this is 30 years ago. But he was illustrating... Power faith, he says, he was in an aeroplane coming into land at, in, in New York, and the pilot announced the undercarriage wouldn't go down. And so there was an emergency, and they all had to prepare for a, a crash landing, and all the alarms went out. And, and this chap called himself a king's kid, Armenian. He, he suddenly had a, a picture as he sat there, and he was praying about it. He saw in the spirit he saw the wheels come down. So he got up and said, don't worry everybody, the wheels are going to come down just in time. And they did. That's power faith. It's all in his book. And then there was middle voice. Now I've got it in the notes, but I don't know what it means. Uh, Rosemary, I'm preaching from your notes. Do you remember what's What's the middle voice all about? Does anyone remember what the middle voice was? Costa said, it's about, I think it's about distinguishing between the devil and me and the flesh and, and the spirit. And there's a middle voice. Is it something to do with music? Is there a middle voice in music? Is there? Oh. Uh, anyhow. We've got to find the middle voice. It's gone somewhere. 
but it's important that if we can hear the middle voice, we'll hear the Spirit of God. All right. Rosemary. Come on now. It's your notes. So we're not a container, we're a conduit. We're not accumulating stuff. You know, I've got the word of wisdom and I've got tongues and I've got this. I don't build. The, the, the stuff we receive is for other people. Christian church is the only community on earth which exists primarily for the benefit of its non-members. So, so we're a conduit, we're a drain. I like that. What is your function as a Christian? I'm a drain. I'm a drain pipe. Uh, what we receive is for someone else. The revelation you receive is for someone else. Uh, and, and so, when someone goes around and says, I've got the word of wisdom, you can say, you certainly haven't. So, gifts operate out of relationship and not technique. There are no specialists, no reserves on the bench, no badges or status or eminence. We're just drains. And there are five steps to encounter. This is the Wimba uh, discipleship training manual for how you, you pray for people, which I've never really got into, I must admit it. But first of all, you, <coughs> there's someone coming, there's, the Holy Spirit wants to meet Someone in need, someone in need, someone in need. And God, God wants to reach that person. And he wants to reach that person through a drain. And the drain is you. All right? So, number one, you contact with God and you say, what's going on, Lord? Uh, and you say, come Holy Spirit. That's the first thing you do. Come Holy Spirit. I'm out of my depth. I need help. Come Holy Spirit. And then you... Wait! Because the first thing that comes into your mind is bilge. It's your own clever thoughts. Wait! Esau first, then Jacob. Right? The second thing is, you then interview. You get uh, alongside uh, the beloved one and and you, you dialogue. What's the problem and what might be the cause? And so you establish a relationship of discussion. And, and he, he tells us to do something which I haven't done. He says, keep your eyes open. And I pray for people. Says, no, no, watch, he says. Watch because when the Spirit's moving, sometimes you can see. You can see a change taking place. He talks sometimes about eyes fluttering or whatever. But, but watch and listen and be a, uh, alert to, to what God's at work. And he's using his drain. A- and we're participating in the action of God on the earth. So that was point three. Oh, two. Then point three is prayer selection. So having found out now what the trouble is, spasmodic spleen rupture, you have to do what he calls prayer selection. I mean, last week I was praying for someone 
who had an elderly lady from the valley who had eye and ear trouble. And I, I was doing my stuff, being a good drain, blocking most of it. And Joe rocked up. Team selection. I hadn't selected him, but the Lord had. But uh, it doesn't mean you have to do it all yourself. And, and sometimes there may be some delegation. And then what's the next point? He said, prayer engagement. So, uh, sensitivity and graciousness and not aggression, not pushing people around. But there may be a demonic factor. Uh, and so there has to be gracious dialogue. Uh, and uh, Holy Spirit leads us. How, how are we going to handle this? It's not a technique, it's not a formula, it's not page 42, paragraph 3. Holy Spirit, what now? Because we have authority to cast out demons. In St. Margaret's Church in Margate, there's a, a former Hindu professor who's become an Anglican priest. And because he understands from his Hindu background the demonic, people are bringing demonized people there and he casts them out and he thinks it's very normal and not a big deal and nothing to be very interested in in any case. Anglican church. And then post-prayer directions. Don't just leave them. Here you are, you've been a good drain, you've poured out the grace of God on them and now that splasmodico, spleen disruptions, all been healed. That person needs to be placed in fellowship and prayer. Are you okay? Where do you worship? How's the home? So it's, it's not a clinic in, out, we were involved and, and follow up with a phone call as we've heard. Looking like Jesus means seeing what Jesus sees. And, and as J Jane was mentioning last week, he picked up from Costa this business in Hebrews 6 of bringing the end of the age into the future, pulling the future into the present through the ministry of faith, through the ministry of the Spirit, through the dynamic of an engagement with God, pulling the future into the present, which is when the miraculous can happen. Because in the future, the miraculous is common as breathing. Now for a different perspective on grace, which for me has been a powerful river sweeping me into the purposes of God in which I have little option but to go with the upward flow. There's the upward flow on the picture. And I've always said, yes, I'm a grace man. You heard me preach this. You rest in the spirit of grace. The river sweeps you this way and that way. Well, it's a bit of a shock doing Revelations chapter 2. And uh, here in chapter 2, in one version it's overcome. In the NIV it's we have to conquer. And it's very important that we conquer. We may be drains, but we have to conquer. We have to conquer the blockages. We have to conquer the resistance. There is somebody who doesn't want the drain to function, wants to disconnect it. We have to conquer. 
And, and in Revelation chapter 2, we are told that there are great rewards for conquering the tree of life. No second death, a white stone, new name, morning star, name in the book of life. It's wonderful. Wonderful rewards for conquering. But Jesus is very firm. You have to conquer. And if you don't, there are penalties, which I won't go into now. They're hair-raising. seem to contradict most of the other stuff in the Bible. Living in the fullness of the Holy Spirit in order to conquer is not an option. We are born again into eternal life, clothed with power for service and conquest. Amen! Uh, Monday night, we had a praying over Costa. And Milan, you play, played the piano and prophesied over Costa. We had two amazing prophecies which have been born out here a bit. One is the flow and, and one is the overcoming. Because Milan clothed Costa in the bridal veil and all she got was the bride, the bride, the bride. So we had Costa dressed up like a bride, which we all kind of giggled a bit about. And then Jonathan came along and said, I don't, sorry, I don't disclaim the bride at all. So there's the flow and the grace, the receiving, the bride receives from the bridegroom. Jonathan saw Costa taking the hill in, in, a, in a military action, there were the enemy at the top there, and Costa was now the soldier with his helmet on and his gun and everything over his veil. So we've got this... leading the people of God up the hill to conquer. So Costa was going to take the hill, and he was doing it in his bridal outfit with his full armor. So there's a picture... <laughs> And uh, last Sunday, there was a tremor. And Jane happened to have gone out to do the dogs up there. Saturday, Saturday, there was a tremor. I didn't say anything about it. Well, on Friday, we were getting ready for a wedding. Uh... Now I was having a heart attack because the proteas were losing all their wickets. <laughs> and Jane was walking the dog. And suddenly behind me there was an enormous explosion. Bang! Crash! Clatter! Boom! And our glassware cupboard that's attached to the ceiling fell off. Which was very dramatic. Yet once more will I shake the heavens and the earth. So there is a battle going on, and we conquer by the Spirit.